0: podcast
1: one production Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years reporting on all the Aussie stars from Hoag's to the Hemsworths Hugh Jackman Nicole Kidman Margot Robbie and beyond this is Aussies in Hollywood
0: I'd be here all day if I tried listing all of Ben Mendelsohn's credits From his early Aussie shows like The Henderson Kids, The Secret Life of Us and Love My Way to more recent movies including Animal Kingdom, The Dark Knight Rises and Exodus Gods and Kings. But it was Ben's Netflix series Bloodline which earned him an Emmy, a Golden Globe nomination and caught the eye of Steven Spielberg who cast him in his upcoming sci-fi drama Ready Player One. Ben also played Orson Krennic in the 2016 Star Wars film Rogue One And later this year, he'll play the Sheriff of Nottingham in the new Robin Hood film with Tarrant Edgerton and Jamie Foxx. I've known Ben a long time and watched him struggle as he came in and out of LA, probably winning the award for the actor who struggled longest before he made it. But it turns out good things do come to those who wait, and when I caught up with Ben at his rep's office in Beverly Hills, we started off talking about why so many Aussies have made it in Hollywood.
2: Okay, first of all, we we are part of the Anglosphere. so that's that's that sits us very very well. There's us, New Zealand, England, um, South Africa, um, uh, you know, a couple of other small kind of places, and then the US. So we're in a we're in a good group for um, for that immediately. The other thing about us is we have this non. Uh, non non-profit kind of model of making films, which means that you can uh, you can muck around and fail and this and that in a financial sense, um, and um, it still works out okay. But I think. I think one of the things that that strikes me as to why we do well over here is a lot of our communication is non-verbal. We we communicate, I think um, we're a lot less comfortable talking about ourselves and stuff like that. We are not as at ease as Americans are with that stuff. Um, And so there tends to be a lot more going on behind uh, words. I think that's one of the things which makes Australian actors kind of do, uh, do pretty well here. And I also think we're, we're snobs. Um, you know, I think we have um, very strong opinions on what's good and this and that, and you get beaten up in, uh, in Australia in a kind of a social sense if you are not um, doing something that they like. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough, I think it's a tough um, training ground. I, I did a, you know, a, a G'day USA thing, which as you, you know, because you were there, and I said that um, that going from Australia to the US was a bit like going to the, the moon, that the gravity felt a lot lighter. And I think that's, um, I think there's something in that. And having gone back there just very recently, there is, um, there's a real ease that, in America, which is different to Australia, we are very easygoing about a bunch of stuff, but we're also, um, we watch ourselves more. You know, we have to watch how we behave more in Australia, whereas in America, you don't as much.
0: When you say that do you mean for the sake of representing the country No or? no
2: good god no I mean <laughs> I mean that thing that's in the in the you know in the declaration of independence and whatnot um, you know that that all that business about freedom that they carry on with here actually has sort of sunk into um, you know into something mm. very much in the american psyche and they have an ease about Um, things which we don't and if they don't have an ease about it then they pipe up about it and they talk about it and whatnot whereas I think a lot of our things are um, you know Australians I think are very very sure about things and I stick my hand up with all of with all of my um, sort of uh, less flattering observations about Australia I I own them fully I'm not pretending I'm not an Australian I very much am but it just strikes me that um, that there's something about the the whole thing of freedom and whatnot that's mm. very much in the American psyche and we are still very much have a post-colonial kind of um, vibe.
0: Yeah. We have a great work ethic. We do there. have
2: a very good work that's ethic. That's what
0: a lot of directors here we, have said to me, that sometimes they go to hire an Australian because they know they're going to get less of the other crap and... People that work their butts off.
2: Oh, look on the positive side. Yes, you can't you you can't put on airs and graces. Um, you do have to have a very strong work ethic. These are the things in Australia. If you display, you know, a crappy work ethic. And you have airs and gra- you just can't get away with that shit. <laughs> so that becomes very much a part of the, the, the psyche there too, you know, and that's a, that's a really good thing. I, I think those are really positive things about, um, right. you know, about us.
0: Well, you, you grew up in Australia but you travelled a lot when you were very young. Can you yeah. sort of tell us where were you at what point in your sure. life and how did that impact you?
2: I was, okay, so my dad was like a doctor, um, medical scientist kind of dude and <laughs> that meant that when I was, before I, I went to primary school, I was had been in Germany and England and England first and my recollections are very hazy of England. Germany I remember very well Um, and that was Munich and that was probably 1974 and um, it was really tough. I mean the kids were really, really tough, you know, lots of throwing rocks at the kindergarten teacher. and Oh, no, it was full on. (laughs) Um, but I can swear on this. Fair enough, but you know they're kind of used to me swearing, so maybe I'll just give it a rest for <laughs> for a bit. Um, you know they would they would beat each other up. It was it was rough. Uh, England was really kind of chilled out, but when I got back to Australia, I had a thick German accent. Um, I was uh, I was quite big. You know I was I was carrying quite a lot of weight, and I had on these sort of funky pseudo Lederhosen kind of German <laughs> clothes. Oh, I
1: wish and so, I could see a photo. Oh
2: <laughs> God, I'm glad there's not one. Um so when I walked into first grade at uh at primary school, you know, and I come in. This was in Melbourne? This was in Melbourne, this was in Heidelberg. And Heidelberg was um, you know, it was a pretty kind of rough and tumble area. And so when I walked into uh, to primary school, you know I I copped it immediately, and my mum tells the story. We used to speak German. I used to speak fluent German. That uh, two days after we got home, my brother and I spoke in thick Australian accents and never spoke a word of German again. Um, so that is you know when I think about you know how did how did I end up becoming an actor. Um, I think that was really, you know, that, that was a lot of it. And I can remember doing, you know, they had us do this sort of like thing where you imagine you're driving and you're telling off a, a person behind you in you rearview mirror, but you can't use any words. And I remember acting this out in front of the class and the class being very, you know, like impressed and saying, you know, you can you're telling a lot without using any words. So that was the first time I ever had a positive acting experience. Hmm. Was at Heidelberg Primary.
0: Wow! And so you you kind of accidentally fell into it with this Crawford Productions thing that you've talked about before. But was it something that really was an accident? I mean, I don't. Well, think it you wasn't
2: should... an accident. Accident. Yeah, but you but I mean, there was a couple there. of steps. Absolutely, I went there. I did a play. You know, at, at high school, I took it for a bludge. And, um, and you know, it of... I love it, it that only sort of, the
0: audience listening to this will know what a bludge means. Yeah,
2: no, <laughs> but, but I took it for a bludge and, I you know, I kind of, I'd done one or two things at Eltham High before I'd left and gone to America for about six months, got kicked out of that boarding school and came back to Australia. Well,
0: you, you missed that before you yeah, were in a boarding school yeah, in America yeah, yeah, yeah. for six months? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I'm, I'm just going to cut to all this right, and we can right, go okay. back and do boarding okay. school in America if you want. Um <laughs> But I took it for a bludge did it and there was a bunch of mates with me. And then I had been told about these auditions at Crawford's and I told all my mates, let's all write in. They were like, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, but it turns out none of them did, and, which I didn't learn until it was time to, you know, go in there. And then I thought, well, okay, um, I'm going to go, you know, I'll just go. So that's how it started.
0: And you got a job straight out of that, or yeah.
2: You? That was the first. That the first thing I did. And that was that was ended. That was for the Henderson kids. Oh, yeah. But that got kind of delayed or what or whatnot for whatever reason. That didn't happen for about another six or eight months after that. So I did the Flying Doctors. The mini series <laughs> was the first thing I ever did, and then I did another couple of small jobs for them. I think I did a special squad and I did a, a mini series. I mean. A, Called Matthew and Son, which you know I appear as an extra in now. Maybe an episode of a thing called Zoo Family, although that was maybe afterwards. I can't remember. But yeah. basically, I did a couple of things, and then I did um, the Henderson Kids. But the Henderson Kids was the big one, and it's still the most. Um, it's still the best shoot that I've ever done, wow, it really? easily. Oh, without easily, easily. Um well,
0: that says a lot. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but, you know, it it was six months, it was all of us together um, for a very, very long time. You know, I was 15, Mm. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of magical. And it was also very difficult and very lonely, but it was, it was great. It was beautiful.
1: These are the Coppers' kids. They're Hendersons. We don't need you rich city kids here. How about it, city kid? Want to go down the quick way? Don't shove me! Hey, the cop is not here to look
0: after you now, city boy. So let's go back to the six months in boarding school. Yes. Yeah, so. For a second. Okay. Happened? So
2: what happened is that we. Um, I was at Eltham High and I was living with my dad. and My dad got a um, a thing at um, in Bethesda in in Washington DC in Bethesda. So. So he chucked us in a boarding school in Pennsylvania. Um, and um, and I went there and that was sort of Amish country and stuff. That was a real cultural shock. Yeah. Um, we're talking about 1982, I want to say, something like that, 82 maybe, maybe 83, I can't really remember. But anyway, so I, I came over and I went to boarding school, a co-ed boarding school in Pennsylvania, <laughs> and um, and I lasted about six months. I wasn't doing, you know, it was... It was pretty crap, you know. It was, you know, just um, kids that, for whatever reason, weren't weren't living at home. There weren't many foreign students. There was a couple, but it was largely just, um, you know, these, you know, prep kids, um, and uh, yeah. And anyway, I got the boot out of there you Know after six months, and um, and Did that you do that something was something
0: specifically, yeah, to yeah, get but the
2: boot? whatever, you know, that's none of your business, no, it's <laughs> none of your business whatsoever. My, my school record, <laughs> um, but uh, but you know, that too, getting kicked out of there, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I would have been sitting around in um. In boarding school until, you know, about whatever it was, 1987 or something, 86 or whatnot. And um, I never, you know, this would never have happened. What's happened would have never, never have happened.
0: The big break then was the year my voice broke in 87, right? Yeah. That was a little bit. After that, you come back for a few years. Yeah, I'd come things. back,
2: and I—I I, I was just sort of—I largely I was working for Crawford's. They—they they, Henderson kids finished. I got another job with them, and then another job with them, and then there was a telly movie that um, was the year my voice broke, um, which they started shooting and decided that they, you know, they really loved what they were getting and they were going to make it into a feature, and that um, you know, that was one of those things that just way exceeded all, um, all expectations and stuff. And it really blew up. Um, and, um, and then, you know, a couple of years after that or a year or whatever, um, you know, I started doing like leads in in Australian films like The Big Steel, which is yeah. going to be screening right. any moment in in the Melbourne Film Festival. Oh. And, and then you know, and then then uh, and then, then, then the, yeah, Spotswood, all that sort yeah. of business, la and that you know, that was the next sort of um, several years of that.
0: So, what was your first non-Australian film?
2: The first non-Australian film. Well, I guess it's sort of there's kind of. There's a couple that fall into that category. The first, you know, studio film I did was a film called Quigley Down Under. Um, I remember with Tom Selleck. That's it. Eddie yeah. Bonner. It's a West, it still plays, uh, still plays quite a bit on cable and whatnot. Um, But that was shot in Australia. And then there was another one called Map of the Human Heart, which was um, directed by Vincent Ward.
0: When did you first come to L.A.? I
2: think it would have been 89 or 90. And then I came back, you know, I I came back a few times in the 90s, but it's really the 2000s that I started coming regularly.
0: So you showed up in L.A. as part of like a travel... A trip that you'd be yeah, doing, yeah, yeah, But you thought, while I'm here, what did you do? Did you know anyone? Um,
2: you- I sort of no, I, I didn't. I phoned up a couple of people. I had my agency back at home, you know, do what they couldn't do, and um, and uh, try and get some sort of meeting and stuff. I got um, I got someone here, and um, and then you know, pretty soon after that, I had to leave. But I got myself an agent here. And nothing, you know, nothing happened of it. I came backwards and forwards a few times to, to, you know, to nothing really.
0: How frustrating was that?
2: Yeah, it's a bummer. But seen, look, I knew that the two classic stories of that time were Nicole and then later on Naomi. But Nicole's, Nicole had come here. She'd kind of, you know, had things that looked like they were going to go, looked like they were going to go, and she was about to leave and then, uh, you know, within a day or two of her deciding, well, stuff this, I'm going back home, she got the film Billy Bathgate and that sort of kicked her off. And then much later, Naomi, who had who had been here for a very long mm-hmm. time and had worked but nothing really and, you know, and not a lot, Um then had Mulholland drive, so I did have the idea that if you just kept coming back, you know sooner or later something was going to give now, as it turns out, I don't know whether or not that's um you know I don't know whether or not that that's true I mean it was it, there's no there's absolutely no doubt that it's all it's all animal kingdom, and then from animal you know from yeah. that period on it's a sort of a the getting a something of a one two punch in. Um,
0: it's sort of ironic then isn't it that you had to get this amazing movie back in Australia
2: yeah it, it kind of is but you know the it's also was the case of well what else would you know what else are you gonna do you know I'd, I'd sort of watched everyone come over and have um, you know great careers and and um, you know big fuss made about them and look there's no doubt that um, you know we respond uh uh, very positively to people going, you know, kicking goals overseas. Yeah. That's uh, that's always been a big deal.
0: Coming up on Aussies in Hollywood, Ben talks about some of the famous couches he surfed during his lean years trying to crack it in Hollywood. And you'll hear why he called me a dickhead, which almost sounds like a compliment coming from Ben. When you did your uh, wonderful speech at the G'day USA event, when you were honoured for excellence in film and TV, excellence, I love that, it's true, um, you, you, you gave a really beautiful speech, but you then listed a long list of people that you wanted to thank.
2: Now, there are many Australians over the decades that provided me with bed, board, a car. Uh, if you didn't charge me rent, there's a good chance you're in this list. <laughs> Simon Baker, Rebecca Rigg, Dominic Purcell, Rebecca Williamson, uh, Andrew Dominic, Robin Tunney, Peter Wilson, Heath Ledger, Naomi Watts is not in that list, but she's a big inspiration. And so is Nicole Kidman.
0: Was it really a matter of kind of couch surfing for a long
2: time? uh, look, absolutely. I mean, for a really long time. I mean, there's no way I would have, um, I just didn't have the wherewithal to, you know, um to be paying for places and this and that. And also I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be sitting around here with nothing going on in a house alone. That, that, (laughs) that was just like a nightmare scenario. So, I mean, I was, I was very fortunate that the, you know, the, there was a group of people in the time that I had come up and come through that did have good working lives here. And, you know, Rebecca and Simon, um, that's Rebecca Rigg and Simon Baker, uh, were a real linchpin of the sort of Australians of my my age um, in LA. They had this place and and it was a good sort of, Seen, There were good people around and they're really good people and she's a fantastic, uh, you know, fantastic person.
0: I think it's ironic that, you know, Nicole sort of had the guest house in the beginning and people like Simon and Rebecca stayed with her and then they passed it along. Yeah. you know, and Heath was famous for yep, doing that too. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And Heath's place, and that was much, much later, but Heath's place, that was the most fun I'd ever had uh, uh, being a guest in a house. Really? That, <laughs> yeah. Look, Heath wasn't around. He was working somewhere, but there were a bunch of guys in that place and that place was, yeah, that was um, that was a lot of fun that time. That was a very, very good time.
0: So did you ever get to uh, that point where, because I mean, there's only so many to so much rejection.
2: Well, it, it became, it, it just became the idea of, well, this is, this is stupid. And, you know, you kind of give it X amount of terms and then you go, well, this isn't happening and so I'm going to have to think about what else I do with my life. So, yeah, that happened.
1: When and, did that happen? Oh, that
2: happened a few times. But, you know, I, I guess it was around about, I don't know, 2007, I suppose, just pulling a number, you know, a, a, a rough enough sounding date. By about that time, 2007, 2008, it was pretty sort of obvious that nothing was happening. I was, um, you know, I was, my 30s were sort of ending and, um, you know, I mean, I was going to have to think about what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Now, I knew I could kind of go back and, you know, I could work at home and whatnot, but I didn't know that that, I kind of thought I don't really, you know, I'm not sure that that's what I want to do. So anyway, so I had a kind of time limit on it um, and then, you know, that time limit ran out and then I thought, oh, what am I going to do? And, you know, as is the nature of these things, you get a job or something happens and Mm. you tick along for another, you know, six months or so and that happened. And then I got a ton of work at home and that was around about, I don't know, 2008, 2009, And the last job of that, I think I did five or six things in a row, and the last one of those was Animal Kingdom. Hey, Josh, I've got some bad news, mate. He knows the bad news. Josh, I'd like you to come down to St Kilda Road with me, if that's okay. Hey, what's he done? Tell me, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure he gets discipline. You come with me, Josh. Well, what do you want to talk to him about? Talk to me about it. We'll speak to you again at a later time when we're ready. I might, um... Might have some information for you about those two murdered police. And when that finished, I turned 40 the day after that finished. Wow. And yeah. did you
0: know immediately while you guys were working on that absolutely that it had not. the potential? No,
2: absolutely not. I knew that I didn't know as well. You know, I'd stopped watching myself many years before, so.
0: Have you seen still it? Still my since? attitude. No,
2: no, I've never, never seen,
0: seen it. Never seen Animal Kingdom. Wow. Have you seen any of your films?
2: Yeah, I've seen a couple of them. Let me uh, guess. Star Wars. Yeah, I've seen Star <laughs> Wars. I've seen Star Wars. You had Wars. to see
0: yourself with Darth Vader, didn't you?
2: Director Krennic. Darth Vader.
1: You seem unsettled.
2: No, just press time. There's a great many things to attend to. My apologies. You do have a great many things to explain. I delivered the weapon the Emperor requested. I deserve an audience to make certain that he understands its remarkable potential. We got taken to Skywalker Ranch. We all got flown up there to see it. Wow. Before it um, before it uh, opened. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's sort of like one of the, you know, that movie I'm imagining was one of those sort of pinch me moments for you, I would imagine, being in that world.
2: Yeah, look, that was, I mean, I you know, I say this a bit and I'm bored of myself saying it. But, They're
0: clean, I swear. But,
2: but, you know, I I would say that if I could have told the younger me, don't worry about it, one day you'll be in Star Wars, I would have saved myself a lot of drama and a lot of worry.
0: So after Animal Kingdom, uh, it, it it pretty much Continued to escalate,
2: right? Yeah, it did. But it doesn't feel like that in in it. Like what happened after Animal Kingdom was I thought, um, you know, I thought it was actually Animal Kingdom and Beautiful Kate because they both came over here. They were both in Festival Mm. Circuit and they were both quite different. Um, You know, Beautiful Kate... um, you know, had uh, had sort of like um, challenging material, but it was shot very um, beautifully and, um, you know, and, and Animal Kingdom was clearly down and dirty and, and gritty and um, really up the end of the spectrum in terms of a character. So it was both of them together and I thought, okay, if anything's ever going to happen, this is it. So I called up my... Um, my reps and said, you know, fire up the barbie, <laughs> um, and then I came over, and then um, you know, nothing much seemed to be happening. So I gave I gave him the ass, and then the next day, out of the blue, I got a call. Wow! And then it did kick on after that.
0: So, um, Bloodline was a risk then, because you know, you'd finally got to this point with the movie career. And you decided to do a series over here. Yeah. I mean, I know it was a Netflix series, but that was a risk,
2: right? I guess it was, but but I sort of, you know, look the 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 potential for it to go right far outweighed um, the you know the risk. You know, if it didn't work, oh well, you know, it they, it it soon disappears from memory and consciousness and. Bummer, that didn't work, but it did. You know, it did work. It worked gangbusters, and um, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awesome. The storyline is about a black sheep coming home. The oldest brother, played
0: by Ben Mendelsohn. He's returning to his roots and he's asking to work in the family business. Ben Mendelsohn brings an incredible, incredible vulnerability to the role and he's also someone who can turn a dive and bring a rather magnificent menace to the role. You will never see my face again. He was such a great character. Um, what did you think about this Danny Rayburn when you first read him and, and you, did you feel that you could do something with him?
2: That, well, you know, I, I, I mean... That's not how it happened. They came to me and asked me to, if I wanted to do it, and they got me in. They got me in first, before they got anyone else in. So, they I didn't know. They told me about him, and they 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 said, "Look, we've seen you work and la la, la and we really want you to do this. Um, and we think you know." And they just said, "We want to see what you'll do with it." And I was okay. Um, so I didn't really I hadn't read anything mm-hmm. and so by the time it came to doing it I um no I, I didn't think um you know I can do something with this guy I just sort of felt like I knew what it was they were what area they were they were trying to get at and I just um I was just very glad that Sissy Spacek was my mum. <laughs> you know, I, that, that was yeah. what I thought. That, that <laughs> was just like.
0: And Sam Shepard and.
2: Yep, Sam Shepard's dad and the great Kyle Chandler is my uh, baby brother. <laughs> and, you know, the, the fantastic Linda Carnelini and Norbert Leo Butts. I mean, that's an incredibly strong acting cast. Mm. So, yeah, it was just like rolling in clover.
0: So I know I told you a few years ago when I saw you that I'd interviewed Steven Spielberg and asked him about his TV habits and at that time he had said yeah. uh, Bloodline and I can't wait to work with Ben Mendelsohn. And, you know, here you are now, you've done a Steven Spielberg movie. Can you talk about what that was like and, and you know, did he call you up one day? How did it all happen?
2: I... would um
0: which is ironic again because we were just talking about how TV's a risk, but it was a no, TV show and, that and he that's, watched. And
2: that's a thing now, and, and I think that's that's actually long since passed. It's, it's, I mean, the people that you know inverted commas don't do TV is um, is is not a very substantial um, list in uh, yeah. either in terms of um, you know the the size of Star or necessarily even the acting chops. I mean, sort of everyone now has has done or is doing or will very soon do, you know what we call TV. But um, but look, he um, I, I can't even remember how. I think it was uh, it was my agent Charlie Jennings who was on um, who was on the uh, the Spielberg film and he had sort of been whispering sweet nothings but basically <laughs> i went there and uh and i took the uh i took the meeting with him and um you know he just wanted to talk about bloodline for a bit <laughs> and tell me a bit about the film and stuff and um you know i i said look i get the film i don't get the film uh it's all gravy i got to sit in a room with you i don't you know that was look you know I mean, it's Steven Spielberg, so Yeah. that was, uh, yeah, yeah. This it's been all it's been really good.
0: <laughs> uh, Ready Player One. What wh- what will we expect from you? And uh the film?
2: you should expect that to be. Um, look, this I I'm really really excited about Ready Player One. I think it's going to be. Uh, an absolute joy it's a fantastic uh, book and story and, um, and Steven Spielberg is directing um, a film about the collapse of society where everyone spends their time in virtual reality you know, um, reliving the 80s essentially, more or less, you know, so, um, so that's going to be one heck of a ride sitting here in my tiny corner
1: of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis.
2: It's a very classical hero, hero's journey uh, kind of number. And um,
0: and you're the hero?
2: Oh, come off it. <laughs> Don't be a dickhead. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
0: <laughs> you joke about that, kind of half joke about that. No, I, I, I just you, respond you, you to your where...
2: joke about it.
0: Well, I'm assuming that means you, you don't have this need to prove.
2: I get the job, I do the job. That's my, um, that's my hope for, for that. Um, I've, uh, I've played, um. I've played good guys, I've played bad guys, I've played indifferent guys, I've played, you know, I've played enough different types of, you know, I'm an actor, I just, I, I I, get it, I try and do the best that I can with it. That's my basic raison d'etre. I'm not too fussed. And I only ever think about it when we're, when I'm doing uh, interviews, that's the only time it ever seems yeah. to be like something that needs to be, um, uh, um, um, Justified or or whatnot, you know. I'm very, I'm very, very, very happy with my um, uh, my working life. Really happy.
0: I can imagine, it, it it looks like the last few years have been an absolute incredible ride for you. And I saw you in Budapest not that long ago. On indeed,
2: the of, indeed. And
0: you're suddenly you're you know in the Robin Hood world. That's
2: it. Yeah. And that.
0: I I talked to, to Tim Minchin for the podcast last week, and oh. he he. Uh, oh. You know, it was just telling me how much fun everybody had.
2: They did. They did. Set. And we were very, very value added by having Tim there. Um, Tim, what a colossal talent. Mm. What a ferocious talent. There so what's go. next? Um bludge. I'm gonna bludge for a moment. I've got uh, there's six there's six coming out, that'll do. That'll <laughs> do for now, you know? That'll do for now.
0: Do you have any advice for uh, the Aussies that are doing their part of that thing where they come backwards and forwards all the time right now.
2: Take fountain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I take fountain all the time. Right? For anybody That's the that best doesn't advice, know what that means, yeah, come, come over, over. here <laughs> and try and get on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm really thrilled with uh, everything that's happened for you and it was really a treat to see you get celebrated at the G'day USA Gala. That was, I'm sure that was a very special night for you too. It
2: was indeed. It was. And thank you, Jen. Thank you very, very much.
0: Okay, a few things I probably need to explain before signing off. If you're not an Aussie, a bludge is Aussie slang for sitting around doing nothing which is something Ben's definitely earned coming off six films back-to-back. And when he says his advice to young actors is to take Fountain, he's quoting Betty Davis, who famously joked about the shortcut to avoid driving east on Sunset. He's currently appearing opposite Gary Oldman's Golden Globe-nominated performance as Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour, and he's playing King George VI. So it seems if the Brits are casting Ben as the King of England, he's really passed every test now.
1: In the next episode of Aussies in Hollywood, Jenny sits down with Australian acting royalty and longtime friend, Nicole Kidman. In a candid, in-depth interview, Nicole talks about her early days in LA, why she keeps coming back to Australia and what it's like navigating Hollywood as a parent. There's only so much time and I'm really at that place where I have to be so... Um, careful about what I say yes to because I will not be taken away from them or miss their their childhood. If they can't come or be there or if I can't work around their school year, then I can't do it. That simple. That's next time on Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood is recorded in LA for Podcast One. Recording is by Andrew Sink. Audio production by Alex Mitchell and Nick Slater. Produced by Tim Dunlop. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.